Folks, you're never going to believe who is reinventing himself as a champion of free speech and free expression. That would be former Coach's Corner second banana Ron McClain. No, I'm not kidding. It's Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. I'm David Menzies, and this is The Ezra Levent Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Never going to believe who has emerged as Canada's newest champion regarding freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Yes, knock us all down with a feather, for it is none other than Don Cherry's former sidekick. I speak of Ron McLean, the very same coach's corner second banana who chose not to exercise his freedom of speech and freedom of expression when the beloved Grapes was given the axe almost four years ago for, well, stating the truth, actually. Here are Don's statements that did him in on what turned out to be the final Coach's Corner. You know, I was talking to a veteran. I said, I'm not going to run the poppy thing anymore because what's the sense? I live in Mississauga. Nobody wears, uh, uh, very few people wear uh, a poppy. Downtown Toronto, forget it, downtown Toronto. Nobody wears a poppy. And I'm not going to wait. He says, wait a minute. How about running it for the people that buy them? Now, you go to the small cities, and you know, you, you know those, the rows on rows, you people love, you, you, they come here, whatever it is, you love our way of life, you love our milk and honey, at least you could pay a couple of bucks for poppies or something like that. These guys pay for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys paid the, uh, the biggest price. Anyhow, I'm going to run it again for you great people and good Canadians that bought a poppy. I'm still going to run it. Anyhow, love you for it. By the way, did you notice that Ron McLean nodded his head in agreement and gave Cherry a big thumbs up? Wouldn't that indicate Ron actually, you know, agreed with Don or maybe he wasn't paying attention, which would be his job, of course, as a co-host. Uh, more on that later. Now, it should be noted that Don Cherry mentioned that he lives in Mississauga. We dropped by that Ontario City last Saturday, oh, not to take in an event commemorating Canadian war veterans or anything like that, mind you. We were there to cover a pro-Hamas demonstration. Here, check out some of the disturbing video evidence. I'm sorry. Yes. Hamas is not a terrorist group. Oh, it isn't, ma'am. First of all, Hamas is not okay. a terrorist group. Hamas is not a terrorist group. What is it, like a motorcycle club? It is a resistance, or? Is a resistance okay. that has been fuming for 75 years of colonialism, of occupation, of murder, of rape, of little children, of women. That's what they are. They are resistance. Do you think Canada is everything, a colonialist country too? Everything or? that they do is justified. Including what happened thing. last week? Every single thing they have done is justified. Once again, I want to emphasize that this footage was shot in Mississauga, Ontario, Canada, not Ramallah or Gaza City. And riddle me this, how many of those folk do you think will be donning poppies next month? Well, I guess we will find out for sure in a few weeks. Anyway, the woke meisters came for Don Cherry big time back in 2019. 
Apologize or else, they demanded. But Cherry rightfully told the woke mob he had nothing to apologize for. And so it was that the most watched eight minutes of TV in Canada was vaporized due to political correctness. Yeah, sure, diversity is our strength, except when it comes to a diversity of opinions, that is. Oh, by the way, check out footage we shot at Young Dundas Square last year during the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. I'm just asking people why they don't wear poppies on this day. Uh, please, no. Pardon Last me? Week. Oh, hold on, I don't oh. want to be filmed. Oh, okay. Is she filming so, what, what, did, what did you mean by a colonial past? Funny that Pride gets an entire season these days while Remembrance Day receives a single morning. And I do not exaggerate, folks, when I tell you that easily 95% of passersby were not wearing a poppy that day. Simply put, Don Cherry spoke the truth, and shamefully, Ron McLean did not stand up for him. Alas, Ron McLean's essay on free speech and free expression, published on sportsnet.ca, had absolutely nothing to do with Don Cherry or standing up for war veterans. Rather, the focus of Ron's essay <laughs> is all about denouncing the NHL and the NHL Players Association for enacting a ban on rainbow-colored hockey tape. That's right, apparently the spirit unicorns comprising the Rainbow Mafia are having a tantrum over this turn of events. Then again, when is this community not complaining about something? In any event, if you can believe it, Ron starts his essay with a quotation from feminist Elizabeth Cady Stanton dating back to 1860, quote, to make laws that man cannot and will not obey serves to bring all law into contempt, end quote. Now, Stanton was speaking about women getting the right to vote. That was, of course, a just and noble cause. But McLean is fretting over the lack of rainbow-hued hockey tape in NHL arenas this season. A lack of so-called pride tape is tantamount to a human rights violation? Astonishing. Anyway, Ron goes on to state, quote, The NHL, in consultation with the NHL Players Association, decided that the no pride tape policy was simply an offshoot of the sweaters being removed from the 250 theme nights to avoid dissension in the dressing room and distractions in the media. It is a fair point, well-intended, but it also misses the point, end quote. Um, actually, getting rid of this ongoing pride circus is precisely the point. Getting down with the whole L-G-G-B-D-T-T-T-I-Q-Q-A-A-P-P agenda was becoming a big distraction for the NHL. I mean, you want to go see gay, uh, gay guys on Frozen H2O? Then, geez, buy a ticket for the ice capades already. But Ron then channels Prime Minister Blackface by stating, quote, 
The world is filling with more people, more voices, and more possibilities. And if those in power don't share in this growth, like empires, nation states, and leaders before them, they will vanish. The invisible will not tolerate being subjectively minimized. In short, they won't accept a gag order, end quote. Was Ron McLean inebriated when he wrote this over-the-top tripe? I mean, good golly, where does one even begin to dissect this rant? After all, it used to be that homosexuality was the love that dare not speak its name. Now you can't get it to shut the hell up. And really, Ron, empires and nation-states and leaders will vanish if we don't allow rainbow-colored hockey tape in NHL arenas? Are you serious? But Ron's not quite done yet. Quote, the stifling of expression, that is tyranny. The forced smiles all around to protect private interests is not democracy, end quote. You know, I would actually applaud Ron's sentiments if this statement pertained to what happened to those in the Freedom Convoy last year. These patriots were arrested. Many had their vehicles towed away. My beloved colleague, Alexa Lavoie, was shot by a trigger-happy cop. Leaders such as Tamara Leach were put in solitary confinement, and freedom-loving Canadians had their bank accounts frozen for having the utter temerity to donate to a charity supporting the freedom movement. Now, that's tyranny. That is an attack on democracy. But for Ronald, tyranny is all about a privately owned sports league implementing a no-pride tape rule. Good grief. Predictably, McLean goes on to invoke the memories of Tommy Smith and John Carlos wearing black power gloves on the pedal on the medal podium at the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, and Jackie Robinson, who broke baseball's color barrier, and Muhammad Ali and Billie Jean King and Colin Kaepernick, and so on and so on and so forth. McLean calls this a quote promise by these athletes not to let bad leadership bully the truth. Asking questions is fundamental to democracy, and it's neither aggression nor imposition, end quote. What the H-E double hockey sticks is Ron talking about? Look, if the NHL was, say, banning homosexuals from playing, that would indeed be offside, and I would applaud McLean's sentiments. But I stress yet again, the NHL is not banning people, it's banning a certain coloration of hockey tape. But Ron, the drama queen McLean, he's not quite done yet, folks. Quote, the leaders ought to hear what the two S L G B T Q plus and allies are saying in our deepest reflexes and emotions. We feel we are being pushed away by a rule we cannot obey, end quote. So translation, if you're on an NHL team, you better embrace hockey tape diversity as a human right. Really, Ron? And I must ask, are members of the <clears throat> LGGBDTTTIQQAAPP community, as the Ontario Teachers Federation likes to call them, 
really, are they all that fragile? That if they don't see rainbow flags and rainbow crosswalks and rainbow hockey tape, this is tantamount to an attack on them? If so, where is the psychiatric community when you really need it? Now, I did reach out to Ron McLean via email with a few questions about how he has reinvented himself as a free speech, free expression crusader. Well, at least as it pertains to hockey tape, that is. And to my great surprise, he responded. I truly respect that, folks, because the PR strategy embraced by far too many people in public life these days, including federally elected politicians, is to simply ignore impolite queries. Now, my first question was as follows, quote, as you are well aware, Don Cherry, beloved by millions of Canadians, was canceled for simply speaking the truth. Why did you not stand up for Don Cherry's right to free speech some four years ago? End quote. Ron's response, quote, even Don knew he didn't speak the truth when he projected a behavior on immigrants, the notion that they were the non-poppy wearers he sees. If it was an innocent mix-up, it, it was an easier fix. Say you're sorry for the confusion and set the record straight. I obviously spent 72 hours imploring Don to save the situation, end quote. But alas, if Don Cherry was offside with his remarks again, I point out, why was Ron nodding in agreement and giving the big thumbs up gesture as Don was making those remarks? Just review that footage again for yourselves, folks. Also, since Ron McLean began his essay by quoting a feminist, I asked him the following, quote, in your essay, you quote Elizabeth Cady Stanton, a 19th century feminist. I found this very interesting, given that women's sports are currently under attack by the inclusion of so-called trans women. What is your position regarding biological males who are unfairly competing against biological females? End quote. And Ron responded, quote, The issue here, I have not taken a position. Much to consider before chiming in, end quote. Uh, do you believe that? After all, with a few exceptions, such as equestrian and auto racing, males and females have always played in separate divisions for obvious reasons. How is there any nuance at play here? Now, since his essay was all about hockey and the Spirit Unicorn Syndicate, I also asked Rob McLean the following, quote, On a related note, what is your position on drag queen performances at NHL games? End quote. His response, quote, I am an ally of the 2SLGBTQ plus community. They, whoever and whomever, is more than welcome to show us all, including children, how to be the way you shine, end quote. You know, again, folks, why is it that the concept of age appropriateness always seems to get lost in the ether when one is a member and or ally of the Rainbow Mafia? Finally, I asked the following quote, in the Department of Perverse Irony, I noticed that your employer, Sportsnet, has disabled comments regarding your essay. Why is that? Are you concerned that there are fans who do not subscribe 
to your definition of free speech, how can you advocate for free speech yet prevent Sportsnet subscribers from weighing in with their opinions, end quote. And Ron's response, quote, the comments question is one for Sportsnet, end quote. Uh, I should note, folks, that I did reach out to Sportsnet's media relations department regarding this matter. It's been radio silence so far. But does that come as any surprise? Sportsnet is owned by robbers, or I mean Rogers, one of the worst and most arrogant corporations on the face of this planet. Sure, Rogers will take your tax dollars to subsidize their floundering media properties in this day and age of cable cutting. As for your opinions, oh no, go pound sand, you bunch of jabronis. The Rogers reprobates aren't interested in your feedback, just your fabulous moolah, that's all. Here's why Ron's Rainbow Mafia rant is a misfire. In the bigger picture, I look upon sports as pure escapism. When I go to a hockey game, I just want to watch a hockey game. I bet the vast majority of fans are on side with that position. In fact, I think we are trying to get away from all the woke garbage that is being shoved down our throats on a daily basis simply by going to a sports event in the first place. But no, ever the rel even the realm of fun and games has been infected by wokeism. And what the wokemeisters like McLean feel, fail to realize when it comes to woke joke causes is that the NHL is a business. And as they say in the business world, the bottom line is the bottom line. Maybe the real reason the NHL isn't so gay these days has everything to do with TV ratings. As I previously reported, Check out this Yahoo Sports article from last February, which notes that NHL TV ratings have plunged by a staggering 22% year over year. Can you imagine? More than one-fifth of the NHL's TV viewing audience has disappeared in the space of 12 months. Now, why would that be? Could it be that until recently, the NHL's never-ending force-feeding of woke ideology is kind of turning off hockey enthusiasts, making fans into, well, ex-fans. Anecdotally, I can tell you I've come across numerous friends, family members, and colleagues who say they are done, done, done with pro sports and the propaganda campaigns, that they can't even remember the last time they watched an entire sporting match from start to finish. The NHL is undoubtedly concerned with this massive TV ratings plunge because as much as ticket sales and concessions and the sale of merchandise is important to pro sports teams, the real meat and potatoes, revenue-wise, are those multi-billion dollar TV deals. And if a league is delivering fewer and fewer eyeballs to the networks, that means smaller TV deals in the future. Shrinking audiences is not just an NHL trend, by the way. Sports Business Journal reports that Major League Baseball saw its viewership drop by 29% across Fox Sports and ESPN through the first two months of this season. On the hard court, the Los Angeles Times reported that ABC's coverage of the 2023 NBA Finals averaged its smallest audience when held during its customary time since 
2007, erasing the previous low set a year earlier. Even the almighty National Football League is not immune. Sports Media Watch reports that NFL viewership took a slight hit during the 2022-23 regular season, averaging 16.7 million viewers per window, down from the previous season's average of 17.1 million. In the final analysis, I think Ron McLean is the proverbial nice guy. I do mean that, folks, but I think he'd be even more of a nice guy if he, well, had a little more testicular fortitude in him. Going to bat for the Rainbow Mafia, well, that's low-hanging fruit, no pun intended, as far as causes go these days. Virtually the entire sports writing and sports broadcasting business exists as a cesspool of wokeness these days. The cowardly jock sniffers in the media have been duly indo indoctrinated by academia and or their corporate masters. That's what made Don Cherry so great in the first place. He broke the mold. He said what he believed and he believed what he said. <laughs> Imagine that. But back to Cherry's sidekick, I truly believe that if in Ron McLean's heart of hearts, he knows the lynching of Don Cherry was very wrong and very foolish. I believe in his heart of hearts, Ron McLean surely knows that allowing biological males to compete against biological females is unethical and unsafe and unfair. But free speech champion Ron McLean, he's smart enough to self-censor himself. He's smart enough to realize that with cancel culture being what it is these days, it's not a very good idea to rock the boat. Such wrong think ultimately leads to an economic death sentence, and Ron McLean doesn't want to get Don Cherried himself. So that's why Ron will rail on about a safe, albeit trite issue such as rainbow-colored hockey tape. This is all about appeasing the woke mod, mob, given that these free speech jihadis might also come for him. And besides, I assume that, like everyone else, Ron McLean needs to make a living. Thus, I shall conclude this monologue with a stanza from a timeless nursery rhyme that pretty much explains the rationale for Ronald remaining silent on the real big-ticket free speech issues. And bonus, this nursery rhyme even refers to the rodent nickname Ron McLean acquired when Don Cherry was forced to walk the plank. Here goes. A penny for a spool of thread, a penny for a needle, that's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. Yes, another full day here in Israel, Ezra. Today we're in Jerusalem, the capital. Um, we came here quite early to get a perspective from somebody that's been working for a long time and we've spoken to before on Rebel News within some of the most hostile environments of the Palestinian neighbourhoods. 
And he gave us some amazing perspective because what he's told us is that in the last week and a half, Israel's attitude to security has completely changed. So for example, in the neighborhood that he works a lot is um, they buy houses from Palestinian, uh, Palestinian owners and Jews move in. Now these are old, ancient, <laughs> or prior to the state of Israel, Jewish neighborhoods that were then, the Jews were chased out and now they're buying them in East Jerusalem. Right, next, right outside the old city. It used to actually be called the old Yemenite village. It's where Yemenite Jews, when they first came to Israel before 48, way before 48, they made their own village. It was There were no Palestinians there. Anyways, putting the politics and the history aside a second, what he was saying to me is for 20 years or so, the Jews that live in there, so Jews that bought their houses from Palestinians, and think about that concept, the idea that it's so controversial that a Jew is not even allowed to buy. You're not talking about stealing houses as they try um, to, to purport, you know, activists and left-wing media. These are people that, they, that they've literally paid good and way over the market value, paid houses, and they often have to relocate the Palestinian, uh, the, the person selling the house because they will get murdered by their own community for selling the house to a Jew. So... In the last 20 years, in those houses, they've been under attack and they often have tight security there just to protect the Jewish residents who have bought their houses. And in the last 20 years, he goes, they've been under, um, you know, rock attack, but often Molotov cocktail attack. And for 20 years almost, the police response to it has been quite weak. Um, the worst case situation uh, scenario is that the terrorist who throws a Molotov cocktail is, uh, you know, arrested and jailed for a bit and then let back out and comes back to the violent clans within these uh, Palestinian neighbourhoods and, again, re-offends and commits his life back to terrorising the local Jewish residents. He said after the attack, the brutality that, that, that Israel experiences now, the entire country has, has, has come to the realisation that those... Those attacks that they let them get away with up until now was a sign of weakness and that, 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 that they need to draw a line in the sand and say, hold on. He, he, he basically says that it was the, we shouldn't have waited until they fired tens of thousands of rockets or hundreds of thousands of rockets over the years. We should have done it at the first rocket and we wouldn't be at this point. So now, and he says the entire country... Um, feels that way now. So this time, after what we saw in southern Israel, the horrific attacks, this time when there was a Molotov cocktail, after that attack thrown at Jewish residents, at Jewish residents in uh, the Kfar Temani, in that area, that 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 that, that neighbourhood, um, police finally returned fire and killed the terrorists who were attacking. They, have, they haven't had a problem since. Now, um, for me, observing from the side, because in fact, when I came to that last time to visit uh, this same, he's actually an Australian activist that's been here for many years doing this work. When, when I came to with him last time, when I toured uh, that section, that neighborhood, uh, uh, they attacked me and there was rocks thrown at me just for being with him. They were extremely hostile. He says now um, that's all changed because they realise that the security forces 
are basically telling them if you want to uh, if you want to act violently and you want to terrorize your local your your Jewish neighbors, well, we're not going to stand for it and you're going to pay the ultimate price and it is stopping it in its tracks. Now, when we finish that interview, this just shows you demonstrates the the, enor the, the, the enormous um, impact and how everybody in this country is impacted by what happened last Saturday here in Israel. Just doing that interview, a victim of the barbaric attack on the Nova Festival was walking past and he he told us we have a story. To and, and a lot of people around Israel have been walking up to us and saying they have a story to tell us, um, which is incredible because everybody wants the world to know what's happening here. But then after listening in for a second, we realized he was a victim. He filmed, he was showing us on his phone uh, the, the the Nova Festival and how he escaped with three friends. And his story is insane where they hid under a tree for three hours after their car got shot up. That'll come to the truth about the war.com. Um, we'll, we'll be publishing that in the next day or so. And he's also going to take us to a whole area where that that all the victims from that party are now um basically created a community so we're going to follow up with a bunch of those stories it's really heart-wrenching stuff and to hear his story firsthand and how he tells it just it, it it breaks your heart and you think i can't believe that that was a reality for people who just went to party it, it really makes it sink in and Finally, the I guess what I should have probably started is we woke to the news that Meta is actually um, censoring some of the content that we're creating here, some of the stories we're doing here that's exposing the Hamas brutality. This And they're saying that they're doing it in the name of um, fighting the glorification of terrorism. In fact, our story was condemning the terrorism. Our story was exposing the terrorists. Our story was telling the Israelis story the reality that people went through and uh, we did appeal it but after a few hours we thought it was a mistake but after a few hours it um they came back and said no nope, not a mistake it wasn't just a glitch in the system it wasn't ai yes we are censoring hamas's brutality because it glorifies terrorism let that sink in but uh, i encourage all all the viewers now Head over to the truthaboutthewar.com and share the stories because some of our stories will not make it to Meta, um, and and I, you know, by extension, probably YouTube as well. I, I saw that they we're getting notifications about that as well. So make sure to share all the stories there um, because they don't want them told. Till tomorrow, Ezra. Northern Israel, literally 500 meters from the border with Lebanon. I'm here now, it sounds nice and quiet, but it wasn't so much earlier today with rockets falling, including one in this town, injuring three, at least one in a critical condition. Now I'm here tonight to speak to a National Guardsman who's been protecting the community, the community that is in fact in lockdown at the moment for their own safety. This border is heating up with Hezbollah trying to take advantage of the situation the IDF face in the south on the Gaza border. I'm here um, with, uh, it's like a residential group of people that live here and uh, guard their, their home, like a National Guard kind of thing. 
and uh, whenever the, there's a need, we we guard the town, the village here. And is there a need at the moment? There's a need, yeah. What's happening? It's uh, very tense because of the situation in the south of Israel. Um, there's a threat, a real threat that Hezbollah will also uh, open fire and uh, start a war here in the northern border and uh, we have to be ready. So today I understand that there was a rocket that's hit this your, your town. There, can you tell were, us about it? There were a few rockets. I don't know if I can tell you about it, but uh, for now there's like, a, like an un, unwritten agreement with Hezbollah where they don't, uh, they won't uh, target civilians right now, although civilians could have been hurt now, today. Um, and when they do, it will start a very, very, uh, very big war here. Yeah. So we've seen the, I think averaging about two attacks on the day on this border, today's been about three or four. Are you yeah, seeing the escalation? Uh, there's an escalation and some uh, there were there were casualties uh, but we're we stay strong and uh, we're gonna keep doing what we're doing and uh, waiting for the Hezbollah if they will m make the mistake and attack us how are people how are civilians feeling here the civilians are okay yeah they're used to it Attacks from Hezbollah? Uh, you know, civilians, uh, Metula is uh, more than 120 years old, the uh, village here. And uh, people saw a lot of uh, bombings here uh, through, through the years. And uh, all those years we stayed here when the missiles uh, was, were launched at us and uh, we're not going to move, not now. Look, I, I personally served in Lebanon, in the Second Lebanon War. I've been in Gaza many times, but this one feels different to me. Is it different? I don't know. I don't think it's different. It's different because what happened in the, the Gaza Strip was a catastrophical uh, thing. It was so, so horrific that never happened to the to the Jews since the Holocaust and that's why it's different because now we're not gonna take any shit so Hezbollah know that knows that and even if Iran wants to attack us I guess we're gonna attack so hard that uh, they'll be sorry are you worried about a war though with Hezbollah if I'm worried you know war is, is not uh, fun it's not fun we don't want to kill anyone, we're a peaceful uh, nation, but we have to defend ourselves. And if you look at uh, what happens here and what happened in uh, the south, we are not the aggressors. First uh, move is always from the other side. We only uh, retaliate. How long have you lived here? I'm fifth generation here. So five generations? Five generations. All my life I'm here and uh, my forefathers were here and uh, they uh, built this place and uh, I guess that's my destiny to stay here.
Um, and how long have you been part of the uh, National Guard? It's uh, like a reserve in the army and uh, around uh, 18 years. And um, so civilians are, are not, they're not particularly afraid of what's to come, they're just prepared? Civilians are, um, they saw what happened in the south and they don't want it to happen to them. You can understand, right? No one wants uh, their children to be slaughtered in front of their eyes. No one wants to be burned alive. Um, so we have to do something. So is that a fear that people have here in the north that uh, Hezbollah is going to try the same tactic that we saw Hamas uh, achieve there? Of course. That's what they're planning to do. They're, they advertise it. It's not a secret. They're trying to do. They're trying to copy Hamas. Uh, I don't know if it's copying Hamas, but it's kind of the same plan. Uh, I guess they're not that stupid as Hamas, and uh, they know that the the force that will they will uh, be be against is much greater than Gaza Strip. If Hamas was watching, if Hezbollah was watching this now, what would you say to them? If I'm sure they are. What did I say? I say, uh, bring it. If uh, there's, you know, there's, I don't know if you've seen around the world, you're probably too busy to see it, but there's been rallies around the world, which are, you know, big groups of Muslims and Arab Islamic communities are, are marching alongside far left wing groups that are saying, you know, not talking about, not, they're, they're justifying the Hamas attacks. Um, how do you feel about seeing groups justifying it from not, not only Islamic, but also you know, people that talk, preach tolerance. I don't think they preach tolerance. I, get, I think they went off the rails, and uh, it's not it's not new. It's uh, it's been going on for a couple of decades, uh, where people fall fall to the the propaganda of the Hamas and Palestinian and, uh, people, and there are Palestinians who say. Uh, who say the truth, who tell the truth about uh, Hamas and living in uh, with Israel, beside Israel. And, you know, a lot of stories about people from uh, Gaza who worked 30 years and uh, made made their living peacefully uh, in, in a kibbutz or a settlement near Gaza Strip, but passed on to the Hamas all the information about uh, people who live there and uh, they made lists of who to kill because of someone worked 30 years and uh, made made it look like he's peaceful but no they weren't peaceful so what we, can you paint the picture for people that don't understand because obviously we've seen some pretty hard images of Israeli shelling in Lebanon you know unfortunately even uh, journalists being hit people that think that Israel here is needs to de-escalate and stop to, to, to civilians I, how, how would you explain the situation I already said that we only retaliate here in the this border now it's very obvious that um, we hit uh, Hezbollah uh, targets and they hit our IDF targets. For now, for now. The first one that will make the mistake and hurt the civilian uh, uh, pop population will uh, open up a war, a can of uh, a Pandora's box, and uh, I don't know where, where they're gonna end. 
What are the kind of attacks you're seeing in this in this area in your community? It's uh, direct attacks. Uh, is it rockets? Is it shooting? Is it? It's very sophisticated, high-tech rockets. And are they trying to infiltrate? Have they tried? They have tried to infiltrate. Yes. And, and for now, that there hasn't been any infiltration in the north. Is that right? There could have been. Um, is there anything you would want to tell the rest of the world? A message for you know supporters and non-supporters alike? I don't know if there's anything I can say that will change anybody's mind, but uh, I think you should open up your eyes and see what's really happening. See what kind of people we're dealing with, their their customs, their 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 the thirst for blood is unreal, and uh, we just we just want to live, and uh, and we we're giving them a way to live. They're they're living. Uh, the best way, the, they have the best life in all the Middle East. How far is the border from here? Is it a kilometer? From here, where you stand now? Yeah. Uh, I think less than a kilometer. So the, the people on the other side of the border, do you hate them? I don't know. Hate is a, st a strong word. I don't know about hate. And, uh, and uh, in the day-to-day -day life, you, hate, you can hate your neighbor, you know? If your neighbor does something like uh, uh, that you don't like, you can't hate him, right? But what does it mean? You're going to kill him? No. Um, I don't hate him. I don't know them. I, I was brought up by people who lived there. When the border was open, people that lived there came and worked at us, at our, at our homes. And uh, I grew up with them all those years. Uh, great people, and uh, they are controlled by maniacs. It's all lock in lockdown now. Why is that? Because it's dangerous. We don't know what you, what they're gonna do. If you think it's important for the world to hear from those that are actually putting their lives on the line to defend their family, their community, and their border, make sure to like, comment, and. Most importantly, share it far and wide because the mainstream media are trying to paint these people as some sort of moral equivalence to the Hamas and the Hezbollah terrorists. These guys just want to protect their people. So it's up to you guys to let the world know. And then head over to the truthaboutthewar.com. Make sure to share all the stories there. And then if you believe in our mission, please consider chipping in. The truthaboutthewar.com help cover the costs for our important mission. Folks, I got to tell you, some of our footage from that pro-Hamas demonstration last Saturday in Mississauga, it's gone viral around the world, especially that clip of that lovely lady wearing those machine gun earrings who claimed that everything the Hamas terrorists did at the beginning of this month was justified. Unbelievable. Seek Truth 581 writes, Crazy they don't arrest them, but arrest Canadians who protest over legitimate issues. You're absolutely right, seeker of the truth. 
Where are the liberals condemning the hatred there? Where is the inference that these are Nazis, even though Hamas is an Islamo-Nazi organization? Uh, where are the freezing of bank accounts? Um, nope. For the liberal government, nothing to see here, folks. Move along, move along. Masroy 9 writes, the girl with the machine gun earrings is so confused and delusional, she can't even talk. There's those like her and others who use stonewalling and refuse to have a reasonable conversation. David is so reasonable and polite. Well, I really appreciate that. Thanks so much. I think the kicker was when she said, go and educate yourself, meaning me, of course. Don't you hate it, folks, when people who have a very low IQ about a, tip, uh, a certain issue tell you to go and get an education? <laughs> Unbelievable. <sighs> Astel's a monster writes, this is why Japan doesn't let majority of people who aren't Japanese to live in Japan. Well, I kind of get that. I, you know, my complaint is that I'm not against immigration. I just want to make sure those who immigrate into our Canada, you know, subscribe to Western values. I know that might sound very imperialistic and colonial of me, but that's really how I feel. I didn't get the vibe that many of the people who were demonstrating in Mississauga last week subscribed to Western or Canadian values. Japan's problem, I would say, is they're perhaps a little too xenophobic in their immigration policy. And if you look at the demographic time bomb uh, they are enduring right now, in which the population is rapidly getting older and older, that's going to bring along a lot of problems for that nation as well. Indeed, I understand Japan leads the world in terms of robotics research, particularly for robots that will be able to care for the elderly because <laughs> there just aren't enough young people anymore to do these kind of jobs. In any event, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of the Ezra Levant Show. Greatly appreciated. The big boss man, Ezra, he'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, as always, stay safe and stay sane.